Well, welcome, Hillside. Good morning to you all. You're looking good. Wonderful Labor Day weekend. And I want to tell you just you're in the right place today. I sincerely from my heart want to tell you something. That what I'm going to try to share with you today, I I'm, I'm really have prayed that the Holy Spirit will take this and cause it to grow in your hearts and minds. You know with a sermon, you're kind of cutting down to 30 minutes. There's so much you want to share. But I'm trusting today that God will sow a seed in your heart. Because I was just amazed sitting here, and I guess I shouldn't be. I've been around a while. But just to hear how everybody was just leading up to the sermon. The worship was just right on, just right in line with what God wants to share with you today. And Billy's um, sharing of that time, just right into, um, he mentioned John, I'm preaching from John, and it's the heart of God for you today. So, I want to welcome those who are online as well. If I didn't, if I forgot, happy to have you here today, and just going to be a wonderful time together in God's Word. Hallelujah. That's what we come for. So, Last week, I don't know if you remember, sometimes it's hard to remember back that far, but we were under the fig tree, right? So I kind of, Pastor uh, Paul said, Dad, you know, this is going to be outside of the Jesus stories, but it just so happens that it is kind of inside of the Jesus stories. Although we do not have a testimony today, our lives are all testimonies of His love, um, I'm going to go to a Jesus story. So if you want to turn to John chapter 21, I'm going to verse 15, and we are going to be around the campfire. We were under the fig tree last week, we're going to be around the campfire this week. I'm just pointing at Josh, because when he welcomed me, he said, hey, do you have the fire this morning? I said, yeah. I said, just remember what you told me. It's the campfire. Yeah, it's a man-made fire, but from a man-made fire, you get the fire of the living God within you. And we're living out of that. So, John chapter 21, verse 15. I want to just give you a little lead-up to it because it's too long to read. Remember, this is a time that Jesus had been crucified, that He had reappeared to the disciples, much to their amazement, and he had done a lot of work with them. He was seen by many, many people at that time. And um, he was just visiting, just checking in. And there was unfinished business. Do you remember that Peter had denied him three times? Just around a little fire in the courtyard, he said, No, I don't know this dude. I don't know Jesus. No, are you crazy? I am not a disciple of Jesus. And then he kind of got angry and he left. And of course, he left and he went off and wept. And he realized what he had done. And if you want to just kind of put yourself in that position, there's remorse. You've, you've let down a good friend, let's say, at that time, even though Peter was the one that had the revelation Matthew 16, the revelation of who Jesus was. Because Jesus said, hey, some guys are saying I'm the Messiah. Some people say I'm a teacher, a rabbi. 
what do you say that I am, or who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, Jesus realized, hey, that wasn't something that he had been taught, and he recognized that God had given him a revelation. And so my interpretation of that scripture right there, I want to just point your way, is Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And I preached on this once, and I think it's a good point. That's why I'm going to share it with you today. For me, the rock that he was building his church upon was the ability of man to receive a revelation about God from God through the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? There's a divine connection between God and man. And God is able to reveal himself to you sovereignly. And that's just a wonderful experience. And I know that a lot of us have had that. Okay? It's wonderful. And when people share revelation, it is great. It's like rhema. It's like, woo, hit me with that again. Wow. That's great. But do you see what Christ, what Jesus is building his church upon? He's building his church upon the Peters who have a revelation of who God is. And I want to today, hey, there's a time to not look at your watch, right? <laughs> and there's a time to look at your watch, and this is neither of them. Okay? That's a joke. Um, but this is when you want me to watch my watch. All right. So we're just going to go through this, but I don't want to hurry, but I'm going to be disciplined, and I'm going to be circumspect. So keep your ears open to what God wants to say to you today. Because here was Peter fishing again. So he was possibly a little depressed. Everything had not gone the way they thought it would. Messiah had not come with a mighty army and overthrown the Roman government. Neither had he amounted to much. He suffered a death on the cross. That's a shameful death. How can you go out and, and, and brag on your rabbi when he's just been committed for blasphemy? So everything that you thought was going to be wonderful and great, all of a sudden, death of a vision. But it was God's plan and God's purpose. So something wonderful was coming out of this. But very briefly to also say to you that this time that we're going to read about was a time of restoration for Peter. Not only restoring him and allowing him to receive a great inner healing, but also to impart a sense of purpose and direction and vision for his life. So around the campfire, Jesus comes to us and he restores us. We receive in a healing and we receive not only that, but a plan and a purpose to live our lives. And it's a time of commitment. So, I was briefly, and I'll just digress slightly because I now want to add a little bit of lightness on this. Hey, I've been around some campfires in Africa, right? 
And I was just amused because uh, we used to go out hiking in the mountains. And when you've been around the mountain all day and you've been hiking and you're tired and you're weary, and then you just make a fire somewhere near a little stream and you all sleep around the campfire. But, you know, there's such an ambience of drawing. It's that kumbaya moment. You know, you're just dancing, kumbaya, my Lord. You're around the campfire. The beautiful Southern Cross is out. The Milky Way is spread across the skies. There's not a cloud in the sky. And South Africa is where America had built an observatory because there were so many nights that were cloudless. And so you're looking up. And it's just wonderful kind of ambience around the fire. Then you get into what we used to call a sleeping bag, and then you start to pray, Lord, um, please, I don't want to wake up in the morning with a cobra lying next to me, six-foot cobra, and it's happened to people, or a puff adder. Puff adder's preferable because a puff adder's slow to strike, right? They have to get their heads right back because their fangs are set back in their throat, so by the time they've got back there, you've jumped and run 10 miles by the time they, you know... <laughs> You know how that is. Or otherwise, you know, mountain leopards, just, Lord, keep them away. And so we'd light the campfire and keep it burning. And then in the morning, see the tracks of the leopards that had walked around us, probably nibbling our ears or whatever. But it was all fun. But just to give you an idea, and, <laughs> hey, we were guys, you know, what do we know? We just, we're out there. And you will see that also from old pioneer days, you know, circle the wagon, get the campfire going. It's just that kind of moment. So, Here's Peter. He had received that vision. He had denied Christ. He's feeling remorse. He's not motivated. He's uncertain. He doesn't know really what the future holds. He's seen the vision die once. Now he's kind of just, uh, I am going back to do what I know to do. He's going back fishing. He goes fishing. Guess what? Catches nothing. Guess what? This guy on the shore says, hey, put your net down on the right side. Peter's thinking, where did I hear that before? Oh, yeah, it's when I was chosen. It's when Jesus called me to follow him. And so what happens? The whole thing happens again. It's like a restoration. Hey, I remember that. Wow, that was good times being with Jesus. Wow, I am with Jesus. He's right here. Jesus had the campfire ready. The guys were in. In fact, Peter was so enthusiastic, he jumps out of the goat, the goat, the boat, and he's just pulling 123 fish behind him. He's just like motivated, man, to see the Lord. Well, Jesus had fish. Jesus had bread. Guess what? Fish sandwiches. Probably had a little cooler bag with the tartar sauce, you know, <laughs> the, that, or if you, maybe you like a little bit of lemon, you know, you squeeze a lemon. And uh, reminds me of a story very briefly. A friend of mine came to South Africa, and we were in a local restaurant, just a little, like, convenience store, and he, they asked him what, what he was ordering, and all of a sudden, everything just kind of went quiet in the store. You know how that is? And he said, oh, do you have a fish sandwich? And, you know, that's normal in America to have a fish sandwich because Americans will eat anything between two pieces of bread, <laughs> Right? So in South Africa, we don't do that. We just eat, we just grab it and eat it, you know, whatever, you know how that is. So when he said fish sandwich, everybody's imagination in that store ran wild and everybody roared with laughter. And he turned to me, he said, Graham, 
are they mocking me? I said, no, Bill. They're just laughing at the concept of a fish sandwich. And so he kind of settled down a little bit because he felt a little hurt. But uh, people were imagining, you know, we get a, like a, a three-foot-long snook between two pieces of bread. So, you know, people's imaginations, it's like saying an elephant sandwich, you know, an elephant between two pieces of bread. So, so there we are around the campfire, okay? Jesus is there. Peter comes. And in that time, let's start at verse 15. So when they had finished, uh, sorry, let me put these on, that'll help me a little bit. So when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, identity, see that? Do you truly love me? Do you truly agape me more than these? Probably referring to the disciples, and you'll see why in a minute. Because part of what I'm going to do is describe to you what agape love is. The very nature of God. And that's what I'm hoping will grab a hold of you today. Because that's what's going to put the fire of God in you and cause you to go forth into all the world, making disciples. Hallelujah. So do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I phileo you. In other words, I love you like a brother. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you Truly agape me. He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Phileo, brotherly love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Now, in all of that, and I'm not going to get caught up in the semantics, I simply want to tell you that there is a difference between phileo love and agape love. Agape love is the love of God. It is who God is and where that love comes from. It is God and it flows from God continually. It is impossible 
for God to do anything but love. Yes, you can withdraw from God. Yes, you can hide from God, you think. But God still loves you, and God still pursues you. This love is an amazing, awesome love. There are basically just, there are more kinds of love. I'm not going there. I'm just going to do these two Greek words for Leo. Is a close friendship or a brotherly love? And I'm not pursuing that. My simple philosophy, folks, is that romantic love and asexual relationship is confined to the marriage relationship. So outside of that, there is nothing in terms of romance. You might have feelings that are romantic, and that's okay, but they're going to stay feelings because you're going to be obedient to God. So I just have a simple framework from which I offer um, to you today and from which I operate, okay? And it's very basic, but it's kept me out of a lot of trouble. So, phileo, close friendship or brotherly love, agape love, the Greek word, faithfulness, commitment, an act of the will, those things are vitally important for us to understand because this is the language of a very close, committed relationship, the, co the covenant of marriage. And so the love that flows in the covenant of marriage is so deep that it is very similar to the love that God has for us under the covenant. If you've never studied covenant, if you've never even heard a teaching on covenant, my advice to you today is to get yourself a good book and read about covenant. You can go to the Word of God, obviously, and study. You'll re recognize straight away that the, the Bible's divided into old covenant and new covenant. We have a covenant with God. God has made promises to us, some of which we don't even know. All His promises to us are yes and amen. He wants us to be fulfilled, but be fulfilled under the covenant. And in that covenant, God has made those promises. And that is how we operate. It's not a legalistic covenant, as neither is it with marriage. It's a way of living together that is an agreement that we will operate in this way. That's why, as far as marriage is concerned, we do vow together and say, this is till death us do part, okay? A covenant is ended by death. Guess what? We don't die. So we go on to that covenant with God and remain in that covenant. It's an eternal covenant. All right. So God loves... Because that is his very nature. That is the nature of God. John says, God is love. God is agape. God is that kind of love that is committed to you, that is faithful, and that is an act of his will towards us. Why do we often say, oh, I didn't deserve this? I never earned this? But God did it for me anyway. Why? Because it's an act of His will. If you think about situations in marriage, 
There are times that you say, uh, I don't feel like doing this. I don't really want to do this. But what are you going to do? If you're a person who understands agape love, you're going to do it because it's the right thing. And you are committed in relationship to that person. And so that commitment comes out in that expression of love. Hey, I've had many times that I'm thinking, okay, but I done did it. And you know why? I had to fight with Graham the goat as opposed to Graham the giant in love and compassion. And I can tell you, if you have my nature, if you're wired like me, emotions are not a big thing. What kind of you see me today? Tomorrow, I'm the same. Okay? I'm not like, hey, I'm here. And then tomorrow, I'm like, walk by you. I'm always, it's, it's just the way that we're wired, but we are called unemotional. Because we don't get too excited. We can, but we don't get too excited. So you see, what I'm trying to inform you here with is that this covenant love of God toward us is not based on emotions. And I'll give you a little hint, because I, I told Pastor Paul I'm going to plug small groups too. He has a discipleship group that he's going to be dealing with, and let these words mull around in your mind, emotionally healthy spirituality. So I'll tell you something. If you look at the poorer people in the world, to me, one thing I see is a lot of emotion and a lot of emotional decisions. Mark my words. Emotional decisions will draw you into poverty. It's just the way it is. We are not supposed to make decisions based on emotions. We'll have emotions. Sometimes they go against what we're supposed to do. So if I'm going to say, I don't want to do this, and I don't do it, but I know I should do it, I've gone against my will and the will of God. I've submitted myself to emotions, and it has consequences. So bear that in mind, that sometimes when we are loving our heart is not always in it. And I'll tell you what, I don't think God cares. Do you remember the parable that Jesus told of the two sons? The father comes in and says, hey guys, um, I need some work done in the vineyard. So the first son says, yeah, dad, sure. Dad, I love you. You know I love you. You're wonderful. You're a great dad. Thank you. I will go and do it. But he didn't. The other son said, man, Dad, no. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't feel like doing it, Dad. Honestly, why should I do it? Look, he's, he said he would do it. I'm not going to do it. I've got stuff, you know. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I can't get off at the moment, so I'm not doing it. But he did it. And Jesus says, who was the obedient son? It wasn't the one that felt like doing it. It's the one that actually did it. So I just want to stir up within you today the very fact that there are times that we are going to deny Christ 
And we might have already denied Christ. We might even be unaware of denying Christ. I was thinking through this morning, Lord, if I denied you, and I thought in ways that we could, we deny Christ when we don't bring our family to Christ. We deny Christ when we don't have a worship time in the family, when we don't read the Bible together, we don't pray together, when we don't bring Christ into our sickness and our disease, and we think, okay, we're in the hands of the doctors, and thank God for that. But we deny Christ when we don't acknowledge His presence and His promises and His desire to make our life straight. Think for yourself the times that you have denied Christ. Maybe in the workplace, Maybe you didn't want to appear like a religious nut, so you didn't. Maybe you go to a restaurant, and like I did years ago, oh, I don't want to draw attention to myself and, and, and say the blessing. Well, I came to America. Guess what? Everybody says the blessing. And, and so that fear inside of me of appearing to be abnormal, well, I lost that a long time ago. I just had to, okay? Um, but that fear will hold you back in that moment where you could speak to a friend and say, hey, Jesus loves you. Hey, this is going to happen. Bringing Jesus into a situation. In effect, we deny Christ. So I'm sure that within our lives, we've all denied Christ. Jesus is going to bring us back to the campfire. And He's going to restore us. He's going to bring us to a point to say, Graham, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. But I'm only filleting you. I'm only, well, that's a bad word. I'm only filleting. <laughs> yeah, see, fisherman, you're laughing, right? I know what you get up to. All right. But you see what I'm saying? I, I can have a great brotherly love. Do you love Jesus? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I just love Jesus. I really love Jesus. Do you do his commands? Jesus said, if you love me, you will do my commands. And do you see that the love of God is not God just sitting up in heaven. Somebody misunderstood this. And so we got the deists who believed that God was just sitting up there, set the world running, and then just didn't care. It's impossible for God not to care about your situation. We need to not deny Christ. We need to draw God into our situation and let Him work within our situations. Those that wait upon the Lord right? They shall renew their strength. What am I doing when I'm waiting? I'm not just sitting like in a doctor's waiting room. Oh, I'm waiting on God. I'm on Facebook. I'm sending messages. I'm doing my email. No, I'm reading the Word. I'm praying. I'm meditating. I'm reaching out to other people. I'm helping other people even in my time of need because God is expressing His love in me and through me. So, Agape is an action word, and that's why I mentioned feelings and emotions. Emotionally healthy spirituality means you are drawn to do the thing that God wants you to do. And love conquers everything. So, agape love is always shown by what it does. It's an action. Could you imagine a relationship that you're drawn in where, hey, you know, do you love me? Yeah. Hey, I love you. Yeah, that's great. And, 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 and you know each other, but you're not doing anything for each other. 
You're not lifting each other up. You're not doing acts of kindness. It's just a dead kind of love. And you know that we are in trouble if the church gets to that point where we don't put agape into action. Jesus said, agape God. Jesus said, agape your neighbor. Jesus said, agape your enemy. Scary. Jesus told the story of the good Samaritan. It wasn't the religious person that expressed agape love to a man that had been beaten up by a bunch of gangsters. It was the simple Samaritan who expressed the love of God, and Samaritans were rejected by the Jews. Come to the chosen small group on a Wednesday night and see how Jesus not only chooses his disciples, but he also takes them into places that stretch them. And he teaches them about agape love. Come to the chosen. See Jesus go to the well, Jacob's well in Samaria. See him speaking to the Samaritan woman and see the Samaritan woman at the well restored, forgiven, not condemned. And you'll see agape love in action. But the very foundation of your Christianity is agape love. 1 Corinthians 13, right? We know it because we sat in weddings over and over again. That is not just for marriage. That is for you and I. If you don't know what agape love is and how it is expressed, just make a note of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and take that personally into your life and say, this is how God has called me to be. This is agape love in action. It suffers long. Ooh, that's exciting. But I will tell you why. <laughs> hey, sometimes it does. And you're going to suffer along with it. I mean, hey, like my son Paul, I hate to disappoint you. I know you thought I was perfect. And especially because, hey, I got the gray hair. I got the wisdom. I said to him the other day, hey, bud. You know, we call each other bud. I said, hey, you know, bud, I just thought of something. You bud, I'm bud wiser. <laughs> right? Sure. I'm dad. I got better dad jokes. They might be older, but they're better. Okay? So, hey, you've got to keep your son just, he's got to be in perspective, right? But, you know, um, I'll come back to where I was going. Uh, <laughs> This is so essential for our lives. So essential for our lives that we see the glory of God in the Sagape love. All right. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm not going there. Relax, because we're getting, we're getting on to the end. I'm laying a foundation for you folks. Honestly, I'll just mention this very quickly. You can't even read it, uh, the cover, but this is a book I brought. I just thought I'd let you know. This book is available from Harrison House. 
Uh, if, you, if you're interested and you want to just come and look at it and see if you can order it, it's called The Lost Secret of the New Covenant. It's by a guy called Malcolm Smith. He was up in the uh, teaching ministry kind of 90s, early 2000s, I think, but at least in the 90s, Malcolm Smith. It's a wonderful book. It'll teach you all about agape love. It'll show you how agape love fits into the covenant because what I haven't mentioned to you is it was not a new concept to Jesus. Agape love is what we call the, the Hebrew word chesed, okay? Now, I'm not spitting on you. It's, it's how the Jewish pronounce that H sound, chesed, okay? And I know you could all say that, but just turn away from your neighbor, you know, with COVID and, and that kind of stuff. Just when you say chesed, yeah. And just smile, too, because it looks like a cuss word, all right? But that is the faithful, sustaining, enduring love of God. That's what David the psalmist saw so clearly. And if you read the Psalms, you'll see nothing but the faithful love of God. That is what grew into the Greek word agape. It's God who is on your side. And it's that love that restores you and gives you a commitment to express. Now, I'm going to wind down a little bit, but I do want to give a plug here. I grew up in, in charismatic movement. Half of you probably don't even know what that is. It doesn't matter. But we believed and do believe and continue to believe in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God. God didn't just, there's my spirit. No. We laid a hold of the Spirit of God. We cried out sometimes. I went for maybe a year just crying out to God, God, fill me with your Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit. You know I was a mess. You wouldn't believe this. I'd grown up in something that wasn't Christian, and it wasn't science. I wasn't a total mess, I must admit. I was enough of not a mess that Louise saw something in me. And uh, she kind of, you know, got me back into shape, which was great. In fact, if it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't be here today. Uh, and she might have been up for murder, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> we made it. But you know, Louise loved God. I knew that from day one. And that's, we had an attraction because I knew about God. She knew God. All right? And that's what I loved. And so in that interim time, I received what the Bible clearly speaks about, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now, I will say this candidly. You really can't walk in agape love if you are not filled with the Spirit of God. And how you see that happening in your life, I'll leave that to you. I mean, you can go back to the fig tree. Jesus will meet you there. Guess what? He's going to baptize you under the fig tree with the power of the living God because He has a plan for your life. He baptizes you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And that is what enthuses you that's what guides you, and that's what allows you to minister to others. It turns your life around. Listen to this, 1 Timothy 1.7. We all know this. For God has not given us a spirit again to fear, but He has given us a spirit of agape, dunamis, and a sound mind. Agape love, 
the power of God to do what our brother Billy had told us he would do. He can actually physically do stuff in your life that you could receive healing. You can see things appear. Jesus fed the 5,000. The food was expanded. So what I'm really saying, you'll see stuff happen in the physical realms as well. Okay? Why? Not because of you. Not because you're good looking. Not because you're a television evangelist. Okay? Send me 10 bucks. I'll give you a prophecy. Um, no, no, no. Sorry. Those who are online, sorry. Cancel that. Um, <laughs> you know, people believe me, and that's the problem I have at Home Depot. I have some really good jokes. My problem is I don't laugh at my own jokes. So a lot of people walk away thinking, this guy's nuts, but they forgive me because they heard my accent, right? <laughs> y'all, y'all, I'm trying to get some Americanese. But God, in His sovereign grace, is working in us and through us. I can't emphasize enough the power of the Spirit of God in your life because it's what overcomes the fear. He hasn't given you a, a spirit again to fear. He's given you a spirit of love, of power, and a sound mind. And guess what? Love is an action word. It's doing stuff. It is endearing to other people. It is drawing them closer to God. When you reflect the nature of God in all humility, you draw people to God. What do you think drove um, Sister Teresa, Mother Teresa? You read, I read her life story. I was just on Wikipedia one day, and I thought, oh, Mother Teresa, I don't know much about her. And I read her life story. Do you know what it was in the end? She went to India, but she had an inner voice. Guess who that was? Telling her what he wanted her to do. The inner voice of the Spirit of God. And that's what John, I mean, sorry, that's what Jesus was indicating to John. He didn't say, hey, uh, sorry, Peter, I'll get it there in a minute. Let me take a breath. <sighs> okay. That's what Jesus said to Peter. He not only made him feel good, he not only gave him hope, but he said, agape is an action word. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. And so we have to ask ourselves to get today, are we there yet? John 13, verses 34 to 35, will give you a good indication of the importance of agape. Because by the time you get to John 13, you're getting to the last days of Jesus' life. And we all know, hey, in your last days, you try to tell everybody the, the, the wisest things you can for the future, you know? And so it's it just important. And these are important words of Jesus. In John 13, verse 34, he says, A new command. Not, not a new, hey, guys, I just want to suggest this to you. If you're ever thinking about this, you know, this is a good thing if you can incorporate it maybe in your lives. I know you're very busy, and you know, you know you've got your cell phone and everything else. And, and if you ever remember, hey, just remember that I just suggested this to you. No. He says a new command. I'm commanding you guys to do this. And you know why he could? Because they were going to engage their wills, right, to do what Jesus said to do against their feelings and emotions, 
and their own wills because that's what Jesus did. I love one another, agape, even as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by this, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Hallelujah. Are you, is this coming together? Did this make a little bit of sense to you today? I wanted to have that kumbaya moment around the campfire. The fish sandwiches, they're all good. But I'll tell you, the essence is in what Jesus has said to us today. And you know, you don't have to be a preacher to practice agape love. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be a prophet. You don't have to be a pastor or whatever. You just want to be you, filled with the Spirit of the living God, living out a joyful resolve to put the welfare of others above your own. Okay? And that's what happens as a lot of us know, in a marriage relationship and in a relationship with close friends and even with our enemies. So when you get cut off on the highway, instead of allowing those little cuss words to come out and keeping your hand firmly on the steering wheel so your fingers do not betray you, okay? Yeah? I'd be more, I, I'm watching you guys. I told my daughter, I said, you know, you have the Tulsa salute down to a fine art. I'm not going to demonstrate it, okay? Because the driving's bad. They're not like us, you know. All right. So when that's happening to you, it's an act of your will. And you're going to say, Oh, Lord, they must be in a hurry. Bless them. Bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord. And guess what? You know, I, I kept my hand off the horn, too, because I hate that. You know, when I'm cutting in on people, I don't like them to honk at me. I'd rather get the blessing. So we've got to get this word out, right? Okay. All right. I think you got the message. I think you got the message. I'll tell you, folks, if you get this covenant and covenant love together. There's a lot of stuff that's going to make sense to you. Really. Listen to this. Revelation 12, 11. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They loved not their own lives, even unto did you see that little thing at the end there with Peter? He told Peter the way he was going to die. Folks, I'm telling you, we don't shrink back. We love. We love. We love. In the political climate that we see today, love your enemies. Do good to those that dis persecute you, that despitefully use you. Whatever side of the political spectrum you're on, do good. I'm so proud of the United States of America. Our founding fathers saw us as one nation under God. In effect, made a covenant to God. And I love that. I love it. 
We must not lose it. We must live out that agape love. In the words of that song, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Okay? That's what God needs for our lives. Thank you. I want to just tell you that a lot of what I have shared with you and in the practicing of your agape love, small groups are ideal for that. Go upstairs, look at a small group. Say, hey, do I need to know a little bit about the life of Jesus? Go to the chosen. Do I need, as guy maybe, to be discipled? Go to the men's discipleship group. Ladies, you have discipleship groups. Those are all places where you learn to give and receive love. I couldn't tell you enough how much my life changed in small groups. And I guess that's why Pastor Paul keeps bringing me up every year, year after year, to plug the small groups. But this way I thought, I'll just get in a little teaching that's been on my heart as well. But I would be remiss if I didn't say to you, sign up for small groups. You will absolutely love it. Bless God. Let's pray. Well, Father, I just bless your children today. I thank you for your great love. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you're here today and you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ and God's been stirring in your heart and you're thinking, wow, what, what, what can I do? I just feel the stirring. I just want to receive Christ. You can do that right here, right now. It doesn't have to be a religious moment. It just needs to be a moment in time that you knew that you'd made that com commitment. And this is a prayer, if you just follow through with me, this is the kind of prayer that you would pray. Lord Jesus, I need you. I see that my life has been a life of sin and separation from you. I ask you to forgive my sin. I ask you to simply come into my life, Lord Jesus. Take over my life. Fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. Draw me unto the Father and help me to live the life of commitment that I would love to serve. In Jesus' name, amen.